Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello, Basha. How are you today? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Congratulations. I mean, I don't know what to congratulate you on, being Miss England 2019 or being Dr. Basha. Both happen so close to each other in my life. Um, I, I sometimes can't tell the difference myself. But I've, I've worked for five years for um, becoming a doctor. So I think that's uh, always going to be um, something I more gravitate more towards. But yes, Miss England is a great honour and pride as well. So, you know, I know you're into balance, but come on, which one is, you know, really, really you fancy more? I'm quite lucky in that respect because um, my Miss England journey has allowed me to be both and actually be a better version of uh, the doctor I wanted to be. Uh, you know, with the with the ten hours, nine hours I work in the NHS, um, I am doing one half of the role as a doctor, which is curing and uh, being a part of the curing process of people who are ill, but. Uh, what I'm even more lucky to be is uh, part of the prevention process, which is what I'm doing um, as part of Miss England. My campaign this year is to prevent, um, you know, do a prevention campaign for diabetes and obesity. So um, I'm really proud that actually Miss England allows me to do this. And, um, you know, we know that prevention is powerful and prevention covers uh, a much greater scope uh, of of work uh, than curing and it's a lot cheaper as well um, so I think um, probably your scope in Miss England and, and and hopefully Miss World this year which is in in December I think um, you know maybe that can take over uh, a lot more absolutely um I just think that uh, it's more fun, <laughs> so much more fun than dishing out uh, medications. I'm not saying that medications don't have a place in society because they absolutely do. Uh, they are what's enabling people to carry on and actually be functional in society. But at the same time, uh, you know, Prevention My Campaign is all about making it more accessible, more fun, and making it more targeted to different audiences. If I start talking facts and medical jargon at, I don't know, 12-year-olds, they're not going to be listening. And uh, that's what been one of the most fun parts of my campaign, which is trying to target uh, my campaign and trying to make it more catered to different age groups. You know, doing these fun activities, trying to be creative, and I am a creative, so um, it's been uh, it's been much more fun to uh, you know do this prevention campaign, I'd say. And 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 what's what's been the most fun thing that you've done uh, in this prevention campaign? So 
far, I'm um, still in the planning process. Schools have just opened yesterday. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm in the conversation with schools. I've got a lot of plans in terms of getting a conversation started between young people and someone living with diabetes. Hmm. I've had my own charity for many years now, which is called the Generation Bridge Project, which aims to get the older generation and the younger generation together. And I thought, why not merge my two, you know, campaigns essentially in um, Miss England journey? And I, I honestly thought that people don't want to, um, you know, make a change in their life until something happens to their grandparent, their father, a family member. And that's purely because they haven't seen anything happen. They haven't seen, they haven't been exposed. And a lot of the things that I'm exposed to in, um, in my medical field, that has actually made a lot of change in my own lifestyle. And um, I thought, why should it be just, you know, uh, restricted to people in the medical field? Why shouldn't we get that conversation started into great populations? And why do we always try to, uh, you know, mollycoddle our children? You know, children are very, very smart. They're actually very decisive as well. And we really need to give that power back to them and get them to make their own decisions by seeing an exposure. And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, to answer your question about what's been the most fun, <laughs> we did a, uh, a little a game at the local gym. It was to raise money and we did uh, beat, beat diabetes. And we got people to do a fitness test and uh, uh, do a how many bowl slams can you do in one minute. It was really fun to film and do this whole thing. We also managed to raise a little, raise a little bit of money. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely wonderful, you know, intergenerational cooperation, dialogue, interaction, and it, it's very therapeutic on, on, on both sides as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my experience of what I've seen of people living with uh, diabetic, you know, foot ulcers or, you know, limb amputations is uh, they are discarded. And that is the truth about the elderly generation. And, you know, they, I'm sure they would love to, to impart their knowledge about what their life is really like, what decisions they would change about their life if they were younger, you know. Um, and there's no better way to, to get that conversation going, rather than me as a doctor or any other doctor trying to, you know, tell people what to do, you know, get them talking and let someone living with it, experiencing it, let them give their own input on it. And I think that that's what I really want to achieve out of this one year as Miss England. And did you have a personal experience with diabetes and, you know, that aspect of, uh, of disease? So being South Asian, I am fully aware of my risks. And there was a time in medical school where I, I really, I really was very scared that, uh, you know, I might have uh, PCOS, uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and that was purely because so many people from my side, my part of the country in India, they, my people my age, they were being detected with it. And also my own father has type 2 diabetes. My granddad got diagnosed with pre-diabetes, but he never let it progress. My father, he, uh, he was overweight, and for him, he nearly uh, lost his vision. So I was very aware that, gosh, you know, it could be happening to me. And I wouldn't have much control over it. You know, once you have something like PCOS, it's very difficult to reverse, reverse it, you know, mm. 
genetic uh, reasons and stuff. Um, and I think, I'm, I'm not that I'm saying the scaremongering is a good thing, but sometimes fear is better to get people's change rather than just education, just pure, you know, facts and figures. Mm. You know, when, when people really are scared of their risks, then they do change that. And I want to get those facts, and not just the facts, but get them to be aware of their risk, especially South Asians and young people. Um, and I'm doing that now as part of, uh, you know, Diabetes UK. And is there a, um, a positive reaction to you or a negative reaction to you, given that you're Miss England from the, uh, from the Asian community? Uh, what's your experience of, of, of that? I think, um, you know, my experience of uh, being South Asian is that South Asians are very passionate. <laughs> they are very passionate. They've always watched films, Bollywood films, and uh, it's, uh, they, do, they do sort of uh, look at... Um, beauty queens uh, in a in a different light and uh, so I've been quite lucky that the reaction's been very positive and um, I think it's always also been met with a level of surprise when I have told them that I'm a doctor as well uh, which is what I wanted to achieve out of this you know to get the approval from both sides you know I didn't want parents to say oh don't be like her because she's just a beauty queen she's just an airhead I wanted parents to be like, well, look, she's educated as well. And I want young people to look at this as well. And Because, you know, the truth is that there isn't that many role models out there in the media um, who are making a difference in real life. You know, most young people look up to film stars and uh, they want to become film stars and models and stuff. And the doctor's job is not glamorous necessarily. Um, but it's, it's good to have positive role models, and I wish I had a positive role model like that, um, who I could be like, oh, well, hold on a minute, she's actually um, making a difference, but she's not looking like the stereotypical geeky person, you know, with glasses, and hey, I wear glasses, but, you know. Um, so, yeah, I want, I want to do that as well. <laughs> and who are your, I mean, you must, you must have had role models growing up. My teachers. This was a question in my Miss England final, and I believe this was the winning question for me. Um, and I had—I didn't have a moment of, uh, you know, second thoughts about this. Is definitely my teachers, um, because that's where I found, um, you know, true solace. Because I was an immigrant, and there was a lot of, you know, from my side of the family, you know, we moved around schools a lot. I was always a new kid. And there was lots of cultural uh, barriers and things like that. But I never faced that discrimination from teachers. And they always encouraged me and inspired me to push, push, push myself more. Um, and the, the takeaway message that actually made me want to become a doctor was the altruism. You know, the, the fact that they were willing to give up their time, stay after school to help you, help us out and really push us and they had the ambitions for us for me before i had ambitions of my own you know and i i can't i can't thank them enough for giving me that vision and that dream um they saw things in me before i did and uh, yeah it makes me emotional thinking about that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's you know very selfless um acts which is which is what we remember in our lives really you know it's these sort of selfless acts from people that we don't know 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've always said this, that when I was leaving school, I saw that, you know, my teacher, I finally noticed, sorry, I'm getting a bit emotional about this, that uh, I finally noticed that I wasn't, I was, I was actually taller than my teacher. <laughs> um, and I just saw them in a different light. And I just saw them as so much older and frailer. Not to say that they're old, of course not. They're glamorous as ever. But, uh, you know, and their whole life goes in improving others' lives and uh, making, well, making the, the, the pillars of society, essentially, you know. Um, so, yes, I, I dedicate my whole journey to my teachers. And, you know, they don't get a good rap as well. You know, they don't get enough credit, I think, in society. They don't, but uh, um, I always wanted to teach, and you know, in, being a medic as well, you do get to teach. I think the the takeaway for them, which which you can see, is that the impact that they make, and when they see their you know their students do well, my teachers, I'm still in touch with them, and they're so happy with my journey. And I think I think in that way, I'm making them proud and giving back to them by constantly referring to them and also. Uh, you know, reminding myself as well how much of a role they had in my life. And I constantly try to tell them that myself, you know, and hopefully that, that that's some, some uh, you know, compensation for all the hard work they do. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, you know, that, you know, the best compensation is internal compensation rather than the sort of monetary or, or sort of yeah. external compensation. Did you find that the teachers in medical school were just as inspirational? There were some, definitely. I found clinicians definitely to be better teachers than than some of the academics, which is a given. You know, um, doctors they are they they are they are teachers in a sense, not just for medical students, but the general population as well. And for that, they have to have that good communication skills. And I always wanted to sustain that in myself as well. You know, to always be you know grounded and have that commonality in me so that I, I could always be at par with my patients and um, educate them, you know. So we are teachers, you know, primarily, actually. And if we're good enough teachers as doctors, then we don't need to be good doctors, I feel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, education is powerful. Um, I see a lot of patients and, and most of the time I'm actually educating them rather than so-called treating them. That's exactly what I mean, yes, yeah. And and it's quite interesting because you sound quite positive about going through medical school, which me as a senior doctor, you know, we've heard lots of, you know, negative news about how difficult it is in 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 medical school, and you know we're probably culpable of of sort of spreading some <laughs> some negativity um, in the medical world, saying how difficult it is. So you know, what's your view of um, having been through? current medical education uh, I mean how has that journey been very difficult I wouldn't say at all that it's for everybody and it's not easy but um, what I found was um, you know everyone's everyone's got their own climb and and everyone at their own level is working very hard against their own circumstances so it's it's not fair to say that oh ours is the most difficult you know and once I got that out of my system, that, oh my God, this is such a difficult course. And I just talk, took it as a journey that I'm going on. It became much easier. And I decided to not, someone told me like, stop trying to swim against the tide. 
you know there are times where you just need to just flow with with the tide and see where it takes you um it wasn't easy for me at all with medical school um especially because it can be some as you said in our last conversation it can be quite lonely you know and i think it was particularly lonely for myself because i was uh, leading a dual life i was i was a model all the way through medical school and um i um also wasn't from you know the wealthy background that a lot of people in medical school were um for me my family was very important i didn't drink you know there was a lot of things that made me different and i didn't find myself fit into any one particular box you know um so what i decided instead was um you know to focus on for me the the point that changed everything for me was um when clinical phase started and i could start actually being in the wards um being around patients cuz i realized that reminded me every time why i wanted to be a doctor and i just didn't want to think about the reasons why all these other forces were making me feel that i shouldn't be one you know um just tried to focus on the good and also having that balance you know having that escape you know for me that was uh, the modeling and uh, all the other things that I did on the other side um but i'm i'm glad that i didn't give one up for the other yeah yeah uh, and and you know this sense of isolation is very powerful and is very damaging um are there any sort of organizations or groups that you would advise people to sort of look into or i mean they are they are out there uh it is a matter of changing that mindset isn't it that you're not alone yeah absolutely um you know me personally i didn't really get a chance to you know go out to get help in that way i i did go through the nhs process and get a counseling and cbt therapy for a short time but uh help is out there i always say that if you're willing to acknowledge that you need help that's the first point of call before you can actually allow for change to happen so it's important to acknowledge that something's wrong you're not being yourself or you're feeling lonely you know just 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 to acknowledge that you're also not superman <laughs> and um you know we're all as susceptible to mental health problems and actually we need to make that change and we need to be the person that to do it you know i think i for a long time i had the mentality that i needed someone else to do it for me someone else to point it out someone else to give, give me sympathy but no i realized at one point that actually to be functional to achieve the things i want to in life i need to help myself and i need to make that change happen i need to make that decision make that choice and just go ahead and do it um so i i just said you know forget it i'm i'm not going to you know keep keep sort of keeping you know refusing help go out there and actually get it and forget about all these other um factors that making me feel okay uh, i don't know i don't want to get cbt because then i'm definitely going to be labeled as someone with mental health just taking the prejudice away from it yeah and and you know given that you've just started your journey um in the medical world you know obviously you're a positive lady um what's going on in your head how are you thinking about this what are your plans what surprised me the most 
was um, how much of a team effort being a doctor really is, being working in the NHS is, you know. And I would like to tell people out there that if you're going into it thinking you alone are going to make a difference, you're, you're going to feel pretty bad about it all the way through. Um, the point is that, you know, it's a multidisciplinary team. I'm not just name dropping here. It is true. And to make best use of it as well, because actually I felt that all my knowledge, everything I knew about medicine went out the door as soon as I started on the wards, because there's all these new policies and like trust policies and all these things. And the nurses, they all know so much more. They just can't pull signatures to things. That's it. So I, I always say to the nurses in my ward, I'll sign wherever you tell me to. <laughs> because they do know. And actually, um, we, we, we really should acknowledge that. And I've been really lucky because the consultants in my ward have been so kind. Um, they haven't been at all in any way, you know, the stereotypical, you know, dictatorship kind of mentality. Um, it, and it's those little things that make all the difference, you know. For me, I think I was so lucky that I got that. I'm in the busiest ward in the hospital. So, yes, of course, I was very lamentful to start off with. I was like, why am I in this ward? This is the busiest ward. We've got so many patients. We're always understaffed. Our ward is always understaffed. But, you know, it's all about a team. And I always say, you know, the worst and worst of things can be overcome if you've got great company. And I do feel that. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really positive message that it is about teamwork. And, you know, the, the support is there. You just have to allow yourself to work and, and to, to embrace that sort of team mentality. Because mm -hmm. it's not easy at all. It's not easy. It's hard, hard work. It's almost, it's laborious. I would use that word laborious. Like, it feels like I'm less of a doctor and more of, I don't know, you know, I, I don't know what, I, what I'd compare it to, but uh, um, it's hard work, definitely. Um, but you've just got to look at it every day as a new chapter, as a new feat, and this new challenge that you have to overcome. We have to finish on time, guys. Let's do this. And every day before I leave, I say, well done, team. You know, because it literally feels like that. It feels like, whew, it's done. It's over. We're finished now. And, uh, you know, I'm getting quite quite uh, loud about this but uh, it feels like that but it, it feels great when you feel that you know everyone's done it together yeah. yeah and that's quite interesting because uh, on the flip side you know in in miss england it's all about you it's it's not about teamwork that's where people are wrong because even during miss england um you know other leading up to the pageant you're always thinking oh that person's not competition that person's not good da, 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 da. but on the day and uh, the actual finals that we had, we were all leaning on each other. And if we didn't, then we would have crumbled. Because, uh, you know, my roommate, I was confiding in her constantly, and we were both having a little gossip or a little bitch, you know, as you have to, because you, it's just everyone's so high octane, everyone's so on edge, and, you know, our anxiety levels are through the roof. You know, everyone's in it to win it, obviously. But, uh, you know, when you acknowledge that everyone's in the same boat, 
everyone actually ends up really being helpful and loving towards each other. Of course, there are people that you're not going to fully get on with, but there's definitely more people you're going to get on with in that scenario, purely because of going through a similar, you know, a shared experience. And I always, in all the pageants that I've done so far, I've always come up with really good friends. You know, I'm really lucky that way. Uh, and and um, coming up to the, you know, the Miss World, um, who are your competitors? Who are you sort of keeping an eye out on? Or, or that's not your um, mentality. Oh, as a as a, as a com, as a competitor myself, I am fully aware of uh, who are my competitors, but I like to keep that a secret. But uh, if you would like to find out, you can look at the leaderboards yourself. Um, you know, we're quite head to head in the top four, top fives, um, the top tens especially. The numbers keep sort of changing. Um, again. Anything can change in the actual pageant um, because it does, you know. Sometimes someone from, you know, predictions of top 20 or even top 50 can come up really quite high. It really depends on your performance. And so much changes based on circumstances around, around the actual pageant and what happens to people on the day and things like that. Um, but yes, if you're if you're keen or interested, then yeah, have a look at the leaderboards, <laughs> and you'll know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I I think you'll be a good diplomat as well. Okay, <laughs> I like to say um, I'm I'm very much a foot in mouth person, so I'm not sure diplomat's the right word. <laughs> as soon as uh, you know my guard drops, I'm very much a very awkward foot in mouth person. That's how, that's who I actually am. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I I understand that. Um, and uh, do you like chocolate? Do I like chocolate? I love chocolate. Absolutely love chocolate. Oh, it's oh gosh, no. I we shan't talk talk about chocolate because I'm currently trying to intermittent fast and I don't eat until until one o'clock today. So we shan't talk about that. And what <laughs> sort of milk, white, dark? Milk, obviously milk. Everything's better mixed. Aha, see what I did there? Oh, fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, dark, you can feel that sort of um, healthiness in it. No, but it tastes horrendous. Ugh. Well, that's the purpose, isn't it? No, but why would you, why would you eat something and why would you eat it in its worst form? No. <laughs> fair Although, enough. Yeah, I mean, yes. you know, yeah, yeah, but anyway, anyway, I mean... Um, the thing with milk is, is sort of once you start, you you can't stop. That's true. That's that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Um, I always like it with a little bit of texture in it as well. Now I'm thinking about food. Yeah, <laughs> you know, with a bit of biscuits, a bit of you know caramel and things like that. And I like I like a good mixture. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, I mean, it it's been absolutely excellent. Um, uh, really interesting insights. Um, what's your advice to, to, to young ladies out there who are interested in, or, you know, who are aspiring, uh, glamour queens? Glamour queens, um, always have something else that's going for you. Always prioritize something like education or a skill because, uh, the glamour industry, in my experience of it, it, it can be temperamental and, um, beauty is only skin deep unfortunately and 
And so are fillers, skin deep, you know, anyone can become uh, very glamorous instantaneously uh, over a couple of, uh, you know, courses of Botox and fillers. You know, it's personal choice if they want to do that, but just be mindful of that. And the fact that, uh, you know, there's always a new face to replace um, older ones. Um, it's, it's, it's quite a um, temperamental in industry. So always have something else going for you. That's always going to make you feel internally more valued, uh, because you know this this industry definitely makes you question yourself a lot, um, who you are, and you always have to have something that makes you feel oh, actually I've got this about me. So this is a, this beauty side of things is not everything I do, um, uh, and uh, yes, focus more on the purpose rather than the beauty. You know, especially in pageantry now, pageantry is very fast changing. There is no actual, um, um, there's no actual judgment category which is purely on beauty anymore. Um, it's all about the purpose and it's all about being holistic, really. So um, I always say that beauty fades with time, but the purpose doesn't. And uh, the message of Miss England and Miss World this year, and for the forthcoming many, many years to come, is going to be beauty with a purpose. So focus on your purpose and have your purpose intact. Um, beauty will come with it you have plenty of people that will be approaching you to sort you out beauty and make you beautiful <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely wonderful um how can people get hold of you basha what's the best way uh instagram's the, the best way for me uh you know you can reach out to me ask me any questions advice uh, my handle is basha05 that's b for bravo h-a-s-h-a-0-5 and you can just follow me on Instagram. Facebook's good as well, but you know, we're in the, the digital age, so Instagram's the best. Thank you so much, Basha. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Surgical Spirit Podcast. For all the latest in the world of Surgical Spirit, don't forget to follow on Twitter at the Third Eye Doc and catch me on Facebook at the page The Third Eye Doctor. You can visit the website at www.thethirdeyedoctor.co.uk for more information on the work that I do. And please send us feedback and questions and suggestions for the podcast. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. I've been Dr. Haida Al-Hakim, and I'll see you next time.